Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network MJ in memory of my sister Marsha Joyce That started this whole thing And I am so excited we have the author of Homicide Herald here, and wait till you learn about Hardy Durkin. He's back, and I give anything to have been on this tour with him. Yeah, me too. Let me tell you, this is so much fun. Matthew's description of the town, the historical sites, and the countryside, as well as the food. The food sounds so good, or better than a food travel guide. Good morning. How are you? And those foods were really good. Oh, my God. Good morning, Fran. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, I'm glad you're here, and as we were talking about before, why did you pick this war and this time period? Well, I live in France. I live in the south of France, and a lot of the people who were victims of the Algerian War for Independence Mm. ended up migrating into this area of France. And so um, I see a lot of Algerians here, a lot of Moroccans and Tunisians, but there's just a, a remnant of uh, of people who fled the Algerian War and resettled into this area of France, among other areas as well, but there's quite a few of them here. And also the mayor of this town uh, was a young boy uh, in Algeria during the War for Independence, and he was recounting a story one time about something uh, that happened when he was a young boy, and it really kind of sparked my interest in it. Well, that, that's interesting. And it's, 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 a lot of the books I've been reading are about different uh, Algerian wars. The one I'm reading right now, The Coronation, which is for an interview next month, is about Prussia and Russia and and their war. And, and uh, oh, it's horrible. So which characters are fictional and which are part of history? Um, the military people, the General Allerey and mm-hmm. uh, the battalion chief Pupat and Colonel Goubard were real military men in, mm. in, you know, serv- on, on station in Algeria. And, of course, the president of France at the time was Charles de Gaulle, so he's definitely real. He was larger than life when he was alive. Mm-hmm. And then um, Jean-Pierre Osti, um was referenced because he was a French writer and a journalist, and he'd also been a soldier himself. And then he became a war correspondent for the Paris Match. Mm. Uh, He wrote several books under a pen name, and um, his perspective on war basically changed the face of war, and uh, Mm. some of his books were actually mandatory uh, curriculum studies by U.S. Special Forces in the United States. So that, those were the real people. That's what my niece is going into, is U.S. Special Forces. 
that's what she wants to do. Uh, it's amazing. So which characters are, um, how did you create Chapter 1, and how does it set the events to come? And tell us about the bike, you and those, and that part of it. That was interesting. Um, well, Chapter 1 is basically um, set in Algeria, and it's, uh, well, it, it, the Algerian War for Independence was just a very brutal war, and there were lots of things going on, and one of the characters that appears in Chapter 1 was an American ninja who was a CIA operative sent over to Algeria to mm. find out what was really going on during that war so that he could w- report back to the government in, in the United States. And his traveling companion was someone he had known from the Indochina Wars. Um, and what they were doing was trying to smuggle some information out of Algeria Uh, which would have really changed, it would have probably brought down the French government at the time, actually. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, so um, it's no surprise that they were intercepted and assassinated before they could do that. Um, It's amazing because most of the books that I've been getting, yesterday I got seven. I was like, oh, my God, finally book mail came to my aid. And all of them are set during wars either Algerian War, Prussia War, anything. It seems to be the oil Cuba. That's the other main topic of, of all of them, Cuba. So it's amazing. A lot of them are written like that. I'm learning an awful lot of history, let me tell you. So the, you go, they go on a bike tour, and what happens, and how were the remains found, and how are they tied to the past? That must have been traumatic for the person that found them. Well, Hardy Durkin is this, really cool guy who's um, yeah, he is. He, he's like an Adonis kind of person he, he's mm. very very handsome very tall and muscular and he's very intelligent he's fluent in four languages um, and he's got a military background uh, with uh, signals intelligence and he um, went he went into working for uh, a, a computer firm up in the the northeast and was bored out of his mind doing that. So he decided he was going to create Durkin Tours and because mm. uh, he didn't want to work in a rabbit warren for the rest of his life. So he initially he started doing trekking tours around Europe. And then this is his first bike tour that he goes, uh, takes people to the south of France, to the Bézier area. And they're out on one of their bike tours and they stop by a river to go river bathing, and one of the uh, bike tour participants has gone off into a stand of trees to change into a bathing suit, and she stumbles into these skeletons <laughs> that have uh, yeah. become unearthed. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, she was scared to death. So, and the skeletons were the remains of the two soldiers. Who had who fled Algeria with the in, information many many years ago? That is scary. That'd be traumatic too, because she was lucky that she even realized that they were real skeletons and not animal bones, and just threw them away and just said, "Well, what the heck? It doesn't matter." So, when the remains are found, which branches of law enforcement handle it? Well, uh, initially the. Um, Municipal police of that area were called in to play 
but since it was obviously an assassination and one of the skeletons, well, they were both identified as soldiers, um, so then the national gendarmes would have been called in. So who are the people that are closest to Hardy? Everybody wants to be close to him because he's gorgeous. So how do we know that appearances are deceiving? Because you can't trust everybody. Well, the people closest to him in the book are mm-hmm. uh, Alan Cloitiers, the uh, lieutenant colonel that he calls to tell about mm-hmm. the skeletons that he's found. And Alan Cloitiers' major domo or right-hand man, Luc Bouvin, Um Cloutiers is somebody that Hardy met years ago in Corsica. He had gone to the island of Corsica to find out why his father had been murdered there. And in the process of doing that, he became very good friends with this uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan Cloutiers, who Mm. is uh, a commander of the French Foreign Legion Parachute Regiment in Calvi, Corsica. And he also was head of the Mediterranean Task Force for Organized Crime. And he had he knew Hardy Durkin's father and had invited him to work with him on this task force um, on Mediterranean crime. I don't know. She just dropped out. How did she do that? Oh, crap. She has to call back. Let's see if I could call her. Why isn't it letting me enter the number? I don't know what happened. Hello? Yeah, hi. I don't know what happened. This is a weird interview. Yeah, Yeah, I am. I don't know. We just dropped out. I didn't do anything. My, My... Mouse is standing right here. I don't know. This is like strange. That never happened before. Okay, so it was. I was about to ask the Ferrier Festival. Is that real? Did that really happen? Yes, it's it's a an enormous festival that happens every August in Beziers, and it generally attracts about a million people. Um, and it's centered around uh, bullfighting, which personally I can't stand. Um, but they have mm. they have uh, bullfighting, and then um, they have this lovely park in the middle of Old Bezier. Then they put an amphitheater in, and so during the week at night, they have flamenco dancing under the stars, and it's just really mm. amazing. Flamenco dancers come mostly from Spain, and they also um, the whole historic area, which is a huge promenade area is just covered with all kinds of like food booths from different countries and uh, just souvenirs and things for kids to do. And um, and then they always have live concerts. They set up uh, stages, uh, you know, stages for bands at both ends of this enormous promenade, and they've just got concerts running like uh, up until like 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Every oh, night. <laughs> that sounds like fun, so, yeah. That it sounds, is. Like it's really fun. quite a wild time. And it's very, the neat thing is, is it's, it's totally safe. 
I mean, I can really? think of places I've been where if, if you would go to a, a venue like this, that there would mm. be pickpockets and muggers and all kinds of stuff going on. And at this, it's it's just totally safe. Um, there might be gypsies pickpocketing or something, but it's kids are, are running around. It's very family-oriented. It's really quite quite spectacular. They should do. They couldn't do that here. Even if they did it anywhere here, you would have the thousand police just to just to guide everybody. That's the sad part. So, who who is Alexander Chamont and why is he so dangerous? And why did you include well, information about the Via Domina and their customs? That was interesting too. The Via Dominicia. Well, um, yeah. this area is just. Vizier is um, arguably the oldest city in France. And they used to station Roman battalions here. They've got the remains of an old Roman arena here. And it was on the Via Domitia, which was the ancient road that connected Rome in Italy to Cadiz, Spain. And um, so it's just very historic. The Cathars uh, were slaughtered here. They've had Knights Templars here. And it's also on the um, pilgrim route, uh, the way of St. James. So there's just there's just a lot of history here. It's quite mm-hmm. amazing. So tell us about Cain, Divine, and Dublanc, and how are they connected to Charles de Gaulle? Well, Case Divine uh, was the American CIA mm-hmm. operative who had been sent to Algeria mm-hmm. to figure out what was going really going on during this mm-hmm. uh, revolution. And um, Thierry Dublanc was a soldier, an Algerian, but he was a soldier uh, and French to the core, who had known Case Devine in Indochina during that war. And their connection to uh, de Gaulle was <laughs> not that they were connected, but if they would have succeeded in in getting their information out of Algeria to where it needed to go, it would have probably brought down de Gaulle's government and left him with a very tarnished historical image. Oh, God. Then how, um, who is Kareem and who is Manuel Perón, and how was he killed? Uh, Kareem was a harky who uh, worked for one of the local uh, vine growers, and a Harki uh, was a an Algerian who had been very helpful to the French when they um, controlled Algeria. They uh, were basically the eyes and ears of the French in Algeria because they knew the country, they knew the customs, they knew the language, and many of them worked uh, gathering intelligence for the French military in Algeria. And when the Algerian War was over with, the Harkis were considered traitors by their uh, the countrymen who had overthrown the French government there and were horribly slaughtered. Uh, their families, uh, they were all rounded up and just slaughtered brutally in terrible ways. I think at one point there was like about 150,000 of mm. them that were just uh, slaughtered. So, oh um, Manuel Perron was the um, stage manager for uh, the flamenca dancer, 
And he also um, ran a little human trafficking ring on the side. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say how he was killed because that would be a spoiler on the mystery. Well, who is a flamingo dancer? And when you had her dance, it was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Uh, Finia was, uh, she was, of course, from Spain, trained in Mm -hmm. Spain, and um, classically trained as a flamenco dancer. Um, Flamenco dancers, I mean, I've only been to a couple of uh, flamenco performances, Mm -hmm. but it's a very riveting experience because Mm. the dancers are uh, very intense, very precise, uh, very graceful, uh, very commanding with their performances. It's really a, an experience to sit through a performance. I know. She had the, what kind of training does she need to do that? I would imagine a lot. Well, yeah, they just do years of, of uh, years and years of training, classically. God, oh, I'm trying to turn my thing back on here. Okay, so how does how do these people on the tour how do they feel about what's happening, and why do some of them actually want to get more involved in it? Well, I think they were you know um, <laughs> they they were just I think amazed and in awe of Hardy because of the very cool way that he handled the whole situation. I think they wanted to be more involved because who doesn't want to be involved in a mystery? You know, mm. um, but at the same time, you know, once you get involved in the French bureaucracy or the Italian bureaucracy, um, in for a penny, in for a pound, it's <laughs> you don't get out very easily. Kind of like you know, tar baby. <laughs> once you're once you're in, you're stuck. So I think they were in, intrigued by what was happening, um, and I think initially they kind of wondered what. You know, why was Hardy not calling the police? Why was he calling this Alain to report uh, about it? Well, you know, Alain is Hardy's go-to for things like that. And since Alain have has a position with the uh, Mediterranean Crime Task Force, Hardy thought he'd probably be a natural to ask about that. So So who um, is who? That's scary. I mean, throughout the book, there were different, you know, tours. So what, how did you decide where the, where the tours go to? How did you decide well, about the uh, bike tours and the woman that's in charge? Well, Hardy's the one who's in charge. It's his yeah. bike tour. It's his, it's his tour business. And, you know, he just um, picked out some – it's a very historic area here. There's a, a, some uh, – France has a – a designation called the most beautiful villages in France. And um, it's a very special collection of villages that are very, very old. There are very few people who live in them. And they're very unique because of historical happenings from that area. And um, in this area, St. Guillaume-le-Désert is an amazing village. Uh, And so was the, the... little village of Minerve that they visited. Both extremely uh, beautiful settings, very, very old, old buildings um, dating back and, and with a history of the Cathars. Um, 
St. Willem le Désert was actually founded by um, one of Charlemagne's knights. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just a, it's an amazing place, the, the history that's there. So, and then, of course, the village of Set, which is right on the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in mind that you know the Mediterranean is a very much a part of of life here. Um, and the beaches and the sunshine, etc. So, when Hardy takes people on a on a tour, he likes to mix it up, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm. So, and how did you decide the food? Which, of course, if I ate all of that, I'd weigh more than my hundred and two hundred three pounds. So, how well, did you just, decide the food? The people went crazy for the food, right? And some of them actually were all well, good enough. Well. Yeah, I would think so. Well, it's just French food. Um, I mean, mm. living here, you know, we kind of eat that every day. <laughs> and sometimes I really would love to have just a really good bagel, which they don't uh-huh. have here. <laughs> so, <laughs> the croissants are amazing, but no bagels. Um no, I can't eat croissants because I can't have anything with milk protein. So that that leaves me out. As a matter of fact, what you would love is that the bakery down here makes half bagel, half croissant. And you know, my husband loves them. The, the croissant side has the butter, and the bagel part is soft, and they're like half and half. And I can't mm. have that. They they, re- they look really good. So, who is Giles, and what was his deal? Why did he do something? Well, Gilles, Gilles Fouque is the vintner who has a, uh, he grows wine grapes um, on a farm outside of Béziers. And mm. Kareem, the harky, sort of works mm-hmm. for him. And his involvement is is that, you know, he's a, a, a descendant of the Pied Noir, who were... Mm-hmm. French citizens that lived in Algeria, and many of them uh, tried to, you know, have, uh, they grew grapes, etc. And so when the Algerian War for Independence was over with, they were all displaced, and they had to move back to the French homeland. So Gioufouk, um had has a vineyard, and uh, his involvement is is that because he's part of the Pied Noir and the Harki community, anything that comes up about the Algerian War, um, mm. he has his ear to that. He listens for things for that because as a community, they're very much involved in what happened with that war and how it affected their families. So why he had to do whatever he had to do, I know that. What is, who are the Sioux perfect, prefect? What about them? Well... France is divided into 101 prefectures. There are 96 on mainland France and five in overseas territories. And there's a prefect in each department, and a prefect is basically a very high-level government official. A sous-prefect is um, an administrative official as well. He's, uh, and he's in a... Uh, one of the chief towns in the department. So within a, in a department, there is one prefect, 
but according to how many kind of major or important towns or cities are in the prefix, there can be, you know, a half a dozen Sioux prefix, more or less. And they just act as a government official, administrative official in that area. So how much research did you do besides the travel labs into this, into writing this book in this time period? Uh, quite a lot, actually. I mean, I, I live in this region, so I'm very, very familiar with it. But I also I do a tremendous amount of research when I write because I want to mm. be historically accurate and I want to be able to present the culture of the area um, and also, you know, a bit of information about the foods, et cetera, and the people that live there. Mm. So it, it sort of ends up as a... Uh, a travel guide with a mystery wrapped around it or, you know, a combination of the two. Well, who is Andre and what happens with him? Andre is an old OAS soldier. Yeah, uh, the like OAS, him. yeah, he was a little wino actually. But um, the OAS mm. was involved in Algeria because... There were a lot of people in the French military that did not want to give up France as a French holding, I mean, mm-hmm. give up Algeria as a French holding. And they felt like de Gaulle was just giving Algeria away too easily. And so many of the people, many, there were many people in the military that kind of revolted with that and started this OAS, which was a secret organization. Mm. Uh, that resorted to some pretty brutal tactics to uh, try and keep Algeria as a French country. And, um, I mean, they were very notorious for throwing grenades and Molotov cocktails into cafes um, and just terrorist attacks, basically. So old Andre had been a member of the OAS, um, and many of the members of the OAS, after they saw how violent it, it became, uh, just wanted out. So he, when the, when the war was over, he ended up, up in Bézier mm. and just was like a little uh, very old man who frequented this bar called La Payote. Mm-hmm. Um, and every morning you could find him there having his little petite rouge, his little red wine. And he would, um, he eavesdropped on some of the conversations and knew uh, what was going on with the um, the search of the, the for the you know the, what was behind the two soldiers who'd been killed. And he kind of informed Cloitiers and Bouvin about what was going on. So everybody in France, because I don't drink ever, my favorite drink is a black coffee or a cappuccino with almond milk. (laughs) That's about it. Um, Do people have wine with every single meal? Because they say wine is good for your heart. No, that's not for me, but yeah. Well, they do drink a lot of wine here. (laughs) And this particular (laughs) area of France has, I think it's almost a million million, uh, acres of land uh, put to vineyards. It's, I think, the largest mm. uh, area in the world that is uh, where they grow grapes. It's just that must uh, amazing. Be interesting. 
They make a lot of money, the people that that work on the vineyards and own them, I imagine. But what other yeah. what other area, what other things are are like industries are in France in south of France besides wine? <laughs> well, wine and on uh, certain areas over the Mediterranean, you know, they've got seafood, the seafood industry. Mm-hmm. Tourism, of course, is a huge a huge part of it all because mm-hmm. it's just such an appealing place, um, the south of France. So, how safe is it to go to another country like that now? I've never had a problem. Uh, we lived in Switzerland for two years when we first moved over here. And, mm. of course, that was perfectly safe. And uh, we've lived here in Bézier almost five years now. And um, I, I never feel unsafe. I, I can walk out at night by myself, nice. and I never feel unsafe. So. I grew up in the South Bronx, and it wasn't safe. But I used to walk out anyway and pretend that it was, was safe. It really wasn't. And where I am now, it is. You could do that about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. But before I forget, I don't normally do three in a week. Okay, i got to make this one up tomorrow. Avante is going to be here for Cleopatra's Revenge. The 20th, I've got four New York Times authors doing a panel. This is original. They're going to discuss which famous author they write like, whether Agatha Christie, Ellery Queen, or maybe even Hercule Perot. On the 23rd, we have someone we all know and love, T.J. O'Connor's brand-new book, The Hemingway Deception. And that's just February, on the end of February, Sanders' Agreement. And I've got a whole bunch more in March, April, May, and I'm booked until the end of June. So if anybody out there has something, you better tell me now. And so how did you create the um, the many scenes with the with the bike tours? How did you create the characters and their reactions to the tours and where they went? And I take it if they had to do it again, they would do it again. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> of course they would. Who who could miss a Hardy Dur- Durkin tour? Um, well, the characters are, um, they're always composites. You know, I might know somebody and there's a little piece of that person in, in one of the characters mm-hmm. and then I build on it or whatever. Or somebody I might see on the street and I imagine what they must be like and uh, add mm-hmm. to that. So. Well, that, 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 that's interesting. Now, how come Hardy had a problem? And poor Hardy. I got worried about him for, for a minute. Well, um, he was responsible for, one of the, for a murderer being apprehended. Mm. And the murderer, and we're not going to say who it is because no, no spoiler alerts, the murderer um, managed to escape the police and um, lay in wait for Hardy on one of his bike tour stops and um, was pretty much determined on killing him. So well, what was just the pure most... and simple revenge. <laughs> I know, but poor Hardy, it's a good thing you didn't kill him off because that would be really be sad. I, lately, Too early um, to do that. <laughs> no, you can't. There are a lot of authors that have been doing that to me lately. Mm. And they've been here... Uh, Philip Margolin did that. I I got very upset because as you killed off one of my favorite people. He said, "Well, Robin needed a more of a, you know interesting character." I said, "No, but he was the best one." And then somebody else killed off somebody last week, and I go like, "Why are you doing this to me?" I mean, just when I get to know the characters, I go like, "How could you do that?" 
And I've read thousands of books, so it's like it really bothers me when somebody takes the main character and slices him up or tries to hurt him. So thank goodness. So how did you create the twist at the end without telling, you know, what happened? Mm, It just seemed like a good way to turn it around a little bit. (laughs) I like twists. Well, a lot of people create the twist. How do you create a twist that nobody gets what it's about, that nobody figures out who did it? That's the hard part because sometimes I'm reading a book right now. I won't say who wrote it. I have to tell you who did it after the first chapter. So how do you create a twist because this was really cool. I go like, what? Well, I don't know. It just came out. (laughs) What can I say? (laughs) Well, people aren't going to believe it because this was really, this was pretty ingenious, that whatever. So as, as people, you know, read this, how does uh, your your story compare to the real France today? You mean the, the way France, the France is pr- uh, promoted in mm-hmm. my book? Yeah. Well, it's pretty much dead on. I mean, keep in mind that I live in the south of France, which is totally different from hustling, bustling, large Paris. You know, Paris mm. is a very dense city, and there is there is violent crime there, and there is yeah. a lot of tensions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's, it's totally different there. Down here uh, along the south of France and along the Mediterranean, it's much more laid back, <laughs> more, more relaxed. Uh, the drivers are even friendly and courteous. It's quite something. Not here. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah. There are some, there are, so I don't use car services that often, but there were, there is one that I use and they know me, so they know they're really nice. But basically, even when you walk in the street here because of this horrible whatever, um, people don't say hello. People don't say good morning. And people stare at you in the elevator, and I wear a mask when I walk in one because you don't know who's there. And it's really mm-hmm. sad. It's not, it's well, not the way, it, it, it was not the way it used to be. So how no, did you, I is, know. It's, it's France is very, I, very different. I mean, people here um, will say, you know, hello, madam, as you pass mm-hmm. them on the sidewalk and give you a oh, smile. Okay. Um, when you walk into somebody's little boutique mm-hmm. or somebody's little store or whatever, they always look up and greet you and you always greet them back because it's almost... Their, their their relationship is that when you walk into their little store or boutique, you're basically walking into almost like their home. So they greet you and you greet them back. So not very, here. It's very polite. They're very polite. Actually, not here. It's funny. You walk into the pharmacy and the first thing they'll ask you is, and they don't ask me anything because they know by now, what's your date of birth? I go, I have no clue. Sorry, can't give you that. I, I get annoyed. And then they look at you as if you're 105, and then they talk to you like you're 106, and that gets me crazy, too. So I try, you know, I say good morning, and I have a sense of humor. So the one thing about this, I'm looking at the cover of the book. By the way, I have two copies of your book, one with the page numbers and one without them. Yes, well, that was a slight formatting problem uh, when we did that. I think we somehow got the ISBN number for the ebook misconstrued onto the paperback so the paperback ended up looking like an ebook format and we are in the process of redoing that yeah they did because um some of the pages are blank in between but i didn't care didn't stop me uh from reading it 
Um, how did you decide on the cover, and how did you decide on the title, Homicide Herald? How does that relate to the book? Well, the Herald is the region where this all takes place. Um, so homicide, you know, homicide Herald, murder in the Herald, death in the Herald. Uh, and the book cover is actually a photograph that was taken at uh, a flamenco performance that I used and um, doctored up a little bit. So. The only thing that was missing were the pictures of the tour and the places. So I was trying, some of them I looked up, actually, because I wanted to know where you, where you were, and the food, which I couldn't eat even mm-hmm. if I wanted to. I got hungry just watching them, listening to them. And I was trying to pick out something that I could actually try, and I go like, the bagels here are pretty good. It depends on where you get them. I'm serious. Croissants are so much better. Trust me. You're not missing anything. Really. <laughs> so um, besides those people, who is uh, Remy Agard, and what other characters play an interesting part in this? And which which person on the bike tour was the most interesting of all, or not so interesting? Well, Remy Agard was... Um a fake name and identity that was used by the villain Alexander Chaumont. He mm. wanted to infiltrate the um, gendarme in Bézier to try and find out what was, you know, what was going on with um, Alain Clodier, whom he had assaulted the night before. And so he, he got a his. He's a villain who has many, mm. many different identities, and so he resurrected the identity of Remy Agard uh, and posed as that person so that he could sneak into the gendarme. So how did um, you create Andy, a hardy Duncan? How did you decide to create him? That's the other question I've been asking. That's what we're going to talk about next Monday, too. How do you create your main character out of nowhere? How do you decide who this person is and create his personality without, you know, Putting the I, you didn't put me to sleep. This I I couldn't put this down. I just sat down and read it, which is if it takes me more than a day to read a book, you're in trouble. This took me two hours, not even. I just sat down and read it. And how did you create? How did you create Hardy? Out of out of what? Well, Hardy Durkin was uh, again. He was a composite. Uh, my husband contributed some of that because my husband used mm. to have a ski tour group that he would bring uh, from Oregon. He was an avid cross-country skier, Mm. and so he would organize um, tours for fellow cross-country skiers and bring them to places all over Europe to go skiing. So, you know, he had, you know, information and experience with doing tour groups and things. So that was kind of a catalyst for it. And then I just kind of, um, I don't know, built it from there. It's kind of a piece-by-piece piece thing. The military, uh, his military background, my husband helped with that a little bit because he'd been in the military as well. Um, the languages, because, you know, we speak different languages as well. And well, you um, just, it's just a, uh, pardon me? No, you had to speak French, I would imagine. You would have to be speak yeah. French to live there. It helps. <laughs> it does help. <laughs> I, I forgot so a lot hearty. of it, but that, that was my language in in high school and college, was French. 
So Hardy Hardy, spe- Hardy speaks all those languages. Well, yeah, his father was an American who had um, Croatian background, and Hardy's mm. mother is German. So German, French, Spanish, English. He understands a little bit of Croatian, but he's fluent in in those other four languages. And what about the people that go on the tour? Do they just speak English and French, or do they speak other languages too? Well, they're just mostly <laughs> mostly just English-speaking people. I mean, I don't know. I've never really concentrated on whether they speak other languages or not. They're just basically, uh, most of them are like uh, mid-level management kind of people who are successful at what they do, or maybe they're a, a private business owner. Um, and so they have a certain level of income, and they love to go out and explore, whether it's by hiking or, in mm. this book, bicycling. Um, they love to go out and explore, but they every night they like to have a very comfortable bed to sleep in, and they like to eat good food. So they what? they might kind of rough it during the day, but at night they went back in, into the creature comforts. So that's kind, of, kind of who his clientele are. What kind of bikes do they draw? Do they have really expensive ones, they, or, do, or was, do they provide them for them? Yes, they were they were rented locally. I think I rode a bike once for ten minutes. My mother was very funny about a lot of things, and bicycle. Well, when we were growing up in the South Bronx, there was no place to ride a bike anywhere. <laughs> it was strictly, you know sidewalk streets and traffic and we didn't even have a train station where I lived I don't know why we I wasn't that long ago but still there was nothing there so couldn't ride a bike and couldn't really you could walk out that's about it so if what what is next for Hardy and what would he say well, about what he does if he could speak to us what would he tell us well he would say that he's just happy as a clam with the lifestyle he has because he's totally independent he gets to travel wherever he wants to go which he loves to do gets to people watch um and he's very content with his lifestyle um the hardy durkin books when i started Mm -hmm. writing them i decided i was going to write one for each letter of the alphabet so (laughs) one book is um abruzzo intrigue which takes place in italy The B version is Black Forest Reckoning, which takes place in Germany. The C book was Corsican Justice, which takes place on the Isle of Corsica, which is a part of France. Mm. D was for Dalmatian Traffic, which takes place in Dalmatia, which is over on the Adriatic around Montenegro and Dubrovnik in those areas, Albania. E was um, took place in the Engadine Valley in Switzerland. I didn't do F and G. I've started that book, but I just couldn't get it finished, so I skipped mm. to H. <laughs> Homicide <laughs> roll. The next letter is I, and I think what oh, we're good. going to do. I considered going to uh, Turkey to Istanbul, but decided that was too far afield. So I think what we're going to do is go to the Ionian Islands in Greece and um, take, you know, do some, uh, go on a trek there. So oh, please heading to Greece, I believe. 
You need to put Pardon a travel me? guide of pictures. You need to put a travel guide of pictures at the end. For those of us that, <laughs> that don't get get to go anywhere ever, <laughs> it would be really, oh, you know, nice. <laughs> I, I I actually looked up the south of France and I looked up all these places. I said, gee, I never went any of these places, but they're, but they're so beautiful and everything. Really, they're really nice, and the 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 book really takes you in different places. I mean, which if if the person which person on the tour would say that they loved it the best, and then you had one guy that was always worried about the food and he didn't want to, you know, oh, am I going to like that? And meanwhile, he ate more than anybody else. <laughs> well. I think they all like the tour for different reasons. Um, but I think Lilith, who uh, helped save Hardy's life, would have probably liked it the best. Because I think, I think probably as a as a one of his bike tour clients, mm-hmm. uh, she probably grew the most as an individual from her experiences with what what went on there. Are you going to have eleven inches for him in the next one? Well, he's—he's he's, he's you know, gorgeous, and they do stare at him. <laughs> yeah, well, he does have some some girlfriends. I mean, he's had a couple in the past, but I don't go into mm. you know sloppy or you know you know sex scenes with him. I just he, he keeps it clean. I mean, I um, everybody says oh, sex sells, but you know, okay, fine, go read that. I you know something I like that because sometimes it turns you off. And a lot of times when there are too many scenes like that, I just skip over them. I don't yeah. even bother. Well, I mean, I I might allude to something going on between yeah. two people, but I just don't go into a lot of graphic detail. I just uh, I I think imagine your imagination is probably a lot better at creating stuff than seeing it. I can't you know I can't stand when they have it where I can close my eyes and picture it. it makes it even worse. I, I can't stand it. <laughs> So in the next book, are you bringing back besides Hardy, because he's so cute, who else are you going to bring back? Anybody else from this one or just brand new people? And the new, tell us more about the new series that you started. Okay, well, prob- I'll probably have a whole different cast of, of characters accompanying Hardy on, on a trekking tour. Um, and I haven't decided exactly if Alain Clotiers and Luc Bouvain will make an appearance or not. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll let them sit this one out. Uh, my other book series I've started is based on a small town in Ohio back in the late 1950s. So it's a completely different feel, different vibe, different time zone. Uh, you know, it's just a small town. But um, the first book in that series... Two Murders Too Many um, mm. included a lot of characters and stories about town characters that my father would tell me about mm. uh, as I was growing up. My father was a wonderful storyteller. And um, I taped a lot of the stories because he would, you know, you could listen to the same story 20 different times and uh-huh. still be enthralled by it because just he was just a great storyteller. And one of the stories he told me was of an actual crime that took place in this small town. Oh, and nice! So I just kind of built—I built the whole—I built a mystery around that. So, and I'll—I'll I'll continue with that. I've gotten—you know—did that uh, the first one, and I'm working on the second one for that. 
Well, that that is interesting. No, my grandmother, in my book, Accusations, told me what happened to her in the concentration camps. So I wrote that true story because I never knew wow. what happened to her. I couldn't understand why she had six children, five children, and that my real grandmother died in childbirth. And I go, like, wait a minute, you're here. I didn't know that there was a story behind it. And I didn't know there was a story behind my other grandmother that hated everybody and never smiled ever. Not to me anyway, mm-hmm. and the life that she went through. So stories are really are really interesting because you never know. Like you said, you you can write it and put it in your novels, which is amazing. So where can everybody find out more about you and your work? And I really hope I get the next one in this series because I have to know what happens to Hardy. And if if they, you start a new series, I want to know too. Well, my uh, website is bluettemate.com. That's B-L-U-E-T-T-E-M-A-T-T-H-E-Y.com. Bluette Mate is my um, nom de plume or my pen name, and it was also the name of my maternal grandmother who was was born in Switzerland. Um, I was my middle name was Bluette, so I've always felt a very close affinity to her, and I think it was through her that I developed a love of the. Even though she was Swiss, she lived in the mm. French part of Switzerland. So whenever um, our family would get together with the aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody and grandma mm. and, and her sisters and such, the older women in that group would sit there and speak with to each other in French. <laughs> so I was always just totally intrigued by that. And it really fostered a love of all things French for me. I just I turned into a Francophile because of all that influence from my grandmother. So when I decided to start writing books I adopted her French her Swiss French name Bluette Mate. Well that that is really nice. I never got to grab my grandmother um, I just found her name, and I actually called the cemetery to find out where her plot was. And I was named for her, they said, and I didn't know that either. And they said, I'm a lot like her. I said, oh, my God, that that must be interesting. She spoke six languages, and they said she was really smart. I said, well, I got to really smart, got something. But I never really knew who she was. And growing up, like you said, the family got together and the older people talked and the rest of us talked on the side about school or whatever. I was helping somebody write a term paper for school, basically. But this is such an interesting series and I can't wait to see. Are you going to work with partners in crime next? Because they like when I ask that question. Probably will. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed, uh, this is my second tour with them and um I just like the way they do the tour. They're very professional. Mm-hmm. They're very organized. Um I know the very first book tour I did uh was just a nightmare because I'm not going to mention who did it, but <laughs> mm-hmm. it was a nightmare because you know you so many of the stops on the tour would not appear you know, and and the book tour operator didn't seem to follow up on things very well. But mm-hmm. I found with Partners in Crime, they're very responsive and very responsible uh, and organized, as I said, and um, they do good work. So I highly recommend well, they them. They reminded me seven times this week. I posted your review this morning at 5 o'clock this morning, seriously. I mm-hmm. said, I'm not going to forget mm-hmm. to do this. I'm going to do it right now. 
and it is on Just Reviews, and Gina got it, because they remind you 27 times, why didn't you do that? You have to do it in my ear. And I'll do it on, put it on Amazon later and put it everywhere else later because everybody reads what I write. And okay. there's no sooner did I post your review did a lot of people read it, which is great. I have, it's amazing that they just follow along with ever. And if it's a murder mystery like that, it always takes place in a foreign country, they want to read it even more. So you might get a whole lot of people that are reading it. You just don't know. <laughs> but, well, I um, hope so, and I hope they enjoy it. You know something, the one thing I love about them is that they don't allow negative whatever. And I did a book tour um, for, I won't say with who, because I review for them. I still review. And I got a couple of nasty comments because the people just didn't like horror. What can I say? So I felt well, kind they of shouldn't bad review it, or then I guess I guess if you're if you don't like a particular genre, you shouldn't review it because exactly. it doesn't seem and like it would not, be a would, very unbiased review, right? Yeah, and they 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 apologized. They apologized for for that. Um, so that that's not bad. And there was another one, one other uh, tour that I did, and they must have had about fifty different stops on it. And if I didn't, you know, go through it myself, I wouldn't have known that they were even there. But they're not. As a matter of Gina, I know there was one. There's one one reviewer on Partners in Crime that gives me nasty comments every time she reviews my book. And her favorite comment is, "I don't understand what you wrote." I go, "Well, you're in that field. You should understand a lot of things." And I just ignore it. I don't even bother anymore. And my tour starts April 24th. So hopefully that'll go okay. But thank you so much. This has made my day. And I don't know how the weather is there, but it's beautiful here. And it's not even 20 degrees outside today. It's it's a little warmer. I think we got 40. <laughs> usually usually the temperature here is like freezing all the time. It's beautiful outside. The sun is shining. But what, thank you so much. Everybody have a positive and great day. And bye. Thank you. Bye.